Pod, brought to you by Transition Solutions. Our host for today's episode is our founder and CEO, Mr. Fred Studley. This episode of CareerPod features Ted Manley, a VP of Total Rewards and HR Operations. He offers his advice on entering the field of compensation. His experience is drawn from a variety of best practice organizations and cultures. He offers practical suggestions for career success. We know you'll find this episode informative. Well, uh, we're joined by Ted Manley today. Uh, Ted, uh, welcome to CareerPod. Thank you, Fred. It's nice to be with you. Okay, fine. Well, Ted, uh, early on, why don't you tell us about your briefly about your early life and education, and uh, if if that in- influenced your career choices at, at all. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. So, how about your early life, Ted? Um, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm one of seven kids. Uh, we went to public school, um, graduated from uh, from uh, what, what was uh, Southeastern Massachusetts University. Um, and now UMass Dartmouth, you know, you know, long and the short of it is I ended up with a dual major with, in business management and what was, what was, uh, recently within, uh, or what was changed to human resources management at, 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 as, as my, uh, as my studies at UMass Dartmouth were, were coming to an end. So double major business management and human resources management. And it was the, it was that, um, you know that sort of specialty that enabled me to get my first professional job, which was in which which was in human resources. Actually, it was in benefits administration. Believe it or not. Okay. Um, working for a company in Watertown. Good, good. Uh, you know, in terms of your early job, you went into benefit administration, and did mm-hmm. you stay in that for a considerable time, or did you go into a generalist job in human resources after a, a fairly quick time? Well, I mean, truth be told, uh, uh, truth be told, I, I didn't, I didn't like my first job very much. Okay. Um, it was, you know, it was very administrative. My my commute was long. But my my uh, my, uh, my relationship with my boss wasn't wasn't fantastic. I was probably, um, you know, not particularly well prepared uh, to transitioning from you know kind of a, a, a college kid to a to a working adult. Um, and so, um, so I made a, I made a decision six months in that I was, that I was going to leave that job without really having another job to go to, by the way, from, from an advisory standpoint, I would, I would advise against that, you know, a hundred percent of the time. Okay. Um, it, it, I mean, it all worked out, but, um, but that's not how I would advise my kids. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I left, left that job, um, picked up some odd jobs for the next few months. Uh, and then, and then got another HR job a little bit closer to home, um, working for uh, a defense contractor in Rhode Island. Okay, all right. And uh, if you look at your, when did you make the flip into a compensation role? Uh, so the the job that I had at uh, at General Dynamics was um, was was sort of an industrial relations representative role, right? So, right. so I would, we were, we were essentially shop stewards in a non-union, um, uh, non-union environment. And, uh, it was an interesting, um, and, and very challenging role, heavy manufacturing. We were kind of a cadre of wet behind the ears, you know, college kids, 
who were trying to relate to these tradespeople on the floor yeah. and, and represent them in conversations and discussions with their manager, with their management and supervision. That can, that can be a humbling so, experience, right? <laughs> you can say that again. So, uh, so I, I did that for, for three years and then I left that company to go to work for another manufacturing company in the Foxborough area yeah. um, and, and, and joined uh, that company as an employee relations representative. So started started uh, there, worked there for about a year. Um, was introduced to the, the the person who ran compensation and benefits for the Foxborough company at corporate, and uh, and he encouraged me to to move into a comp and benefits role. Okay, and, and actually it was, it was it wasn't benefits; it was comp. He had comp, comp and benefits, but but the, it was a it was a compensation analyst role. Okay. In, in looking at that transition then, and you've mm-hmm. hired a lot of people over the years into compensation, uh, what kind of uh, either ability or attributes or experiences you think are really the prerequisites that you, you look for and, and you think that people classically look for before you even get into compensation? What are they looking for? Quantitative skills um, are really useful, right? So, so, so being quick with numbers, right? I, I think today there's a lot of support that you get with technology, right? Uh, and and using Excel and mastering Excel, which is you know which is essential in today's um, environment. But when, when I started, um, you know, we were using calculators. We we didn't really have. Um, we didn't really have Excel. There was a there was a product out there called Lotus One Two Three that that had just come on the market, and we were using that and experimenting with that to do some analytical work. But um, but fundamentally, understanding you know numbers and percentages and relationships and and those sorts of things, I think, is an important characteristic as an HR person. And just and just being inquisitive about numbers, I think, is helpful. Um, but now, I mean, investing a lot of time in understanding and, and leveraging Excel as a tool is vital. I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider a compensation analyst or, or a professional with, who didn't have those skills. Okay. And would you typically uh, want experienced people or would you consider an HR person that had that experience through other projects and maybe had a perceived aptitude? More. Yeah, I, I would. I, I mean, as, particularly as an entry-level per, uh, person, I, I, I don't think you need to have necessarily compensation experience as an, uh, you know, as an entry-level compensation analyst. But what you do need to have is curiosity, right? Curiosity about the business, curiosity about, you know, how it all comes together, how the operation makes its money, you know, kind of understanding the business um, fundamentals, right? Hmm. Uh, and, and, and then, the, and, and, and then, uh, and then being curious about all the various functions within the business and how they all kind of relate, um, to the mission of that business. If a person was in accounting and had this curiosity, yeah. uh, would you consider that person or have you seen that person be successful in that function? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Good. Okay. Uh, in your case, uh, how did you acquire uh, some skills? You mentioned Lotus One Two Three. Did you have that expertise before you entered uh, the comp field, or it was more just the the person that brought you in observed your your skills and your personality and, and thought you'd be a good fit? Would, did yeah. you have any prerequisites yeah. yourself? 
No, it really was. It really was just that. It was based on you know interactions that I had had with um, um, with this individual, um, and uh, he, you know, I guess he felt like I would be effective in that role and and and, and asked me to join um, his team, and and so I did. And uh, yeah, and I've yeah. been kind of on either involved in or you know, or or responsible for the compensation function for. Or, or, or as a, as a, as both a you know as a specialist and also as a generalist, have been involved in compensation related matters for the rest of my career. And it does bring up a point for some of the listeners: the fact that you were uh, discoverable, meaning he, uh, the head of comp and benefits at that time, had some opportunity to observe your work and to absorb your reputation that you were building. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all the folks uh, that they need to work at being active and visible in the organization they're in, uh, you get rewarded for that. So yeah, I, I couldn't, I could not agree with you more. You know, I think, I, I think one of the characteristics about um, success in any corporate role is um, being willing to stand out. Right? Um, there are some people that. That, that where their natural kind of inclination is to blend in, but I think you know, in in any kind of a corporate environment, being willing to, to be, and taking the risk um, to stand out is um, is vital to to success in in corporate America. Right. How about in the first uh, decade or so of your career, what were the most uh, challenging or most rewarding uh, things that you were involved in? Um, well, you know, the, I, I mentioned the job um, as an industrial relations representative. That was that was sort of trial by fire. That was you know, uh, really uh, challenging interactions with people. You know, the, the 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 topics of which were you know ranged from absenteeism, but also you know um, drug investigations, um, fighting. Uh, you know, insubordination, you know, all of the things that you might imagine um, would exist in a heavy manufacturing environment. So, so that was really kind of a, a you know, a, I guess it was more of a baptism by fire, right, right. Um, for, for me, because I hadn't had that experience before. And it, and it really did kind of prepare me for kind of, I, what I would, what I would say is the worst of HR, right? The, the, right. the, the real toughest, roughest, most difficult things that you might encounter as an entry-level HR person, I, I encountered in, in that in that job. So so anything after that was was a little I would say a little easier from the standpoint of you know of of interacting with you know yeah. with challenge in challenging situations, right? Yeah. I mean the the work the work <clears throat> wasn't particularly heady, right? But it was challenging from a from a social and from a you know and from an emotional standpoint. So right. um, it, it was valuable. In that sense. It, it really gives you a, a great baseline or grounding uh, for later events, and not to denigrate that work population at all. But they do actually sweat during the day. They actually work, and yeah. and and uh, a lot of values they have really drive that whole product process, if you will. But it is a tough environment and it's not very genteel. People express yeah. their feelings directly and forcefully yeah. and uh, yeah. it, it's just part of the, the work environment. So anyway. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a you know, special and specialized environment and 
and you have to be prepared, um, you know, to 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 interact with pe- with people in that environment. And right. and on some level, right, you know, I I think it, I think you have. I found myself having to, you know, having to morph a little bit, yeah. you know, and become become a become a slightly different person than the person that I was going in, in order to be able to relate effect, relate effectively with with some of those folks. Uh, how about during your career, uh, were you the beneficiary of some mentors, and you share a couple experiences in that regard? Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I have to thank a, a bunch of people for kind of where I find myself today, right? And, and it and it and it was some it was people along the way that. You know, sort of identified um, me and 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 in some ways took me under their wing and and provided mentorship. Um, and uh, the person that I that I spoke about at the at, who ran Comp and Benefits at the Foxborough Company was one of those people, right? He identified me as somebody that um, could help him and 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 who had potentially some um, some upside. Um, and so, you know, so he really did. Be a, was really a mentor for me. Um, one of the assignments that I had working for him, there was this. There was an international operations VP um, uh, who had a focus on HR and finance, and and uh, he was responsible for our kind of international, um, our, our global mobility program. And he was the only person that really had that understanding and skill set. So, and he had difficult relationships with my boss. And so my boss asked me to kind of, um, uh, yeah, essentially try to learn as much as I could from this particular individual, um, and and so I so I I, I did that. I, I learned as much as I could about international and international HR. In some ways, sort of ingratiating myself to to the to this gentleman um, um, because he had a big ego and, 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 and eventually he did, sh- you know, share with me, uh, you know, a lot of the, uh, principles and, and, and concepts relating to international HR management, um, which ended up being the, um, uh, you know, the sort of differentiating characteristic for me as I, as I, as I took my next step in my career, okay. um, which was, I, I was I was uh, contacted by a by a, a recruiter about joining Reebok, um, yep. and yeah. Reebok, Reebok was looking for someone who had international HR responsibilities. You know, uh, so that, this, so I have to, I do have to credit, but not not just not just um, my boss in comp and benefits, but also this this international, you know, this international HR VP who uh, who who you know really kind of shared with me the, a lot of the information that I was then able to leverage in my next job. Right. And I, it goes to the, in those days, you had many more people that were coaching you and helping you. Now we have flatter organizations and most of the listeners, it's incumbent upon them to identify with maybe some help what, what skills and what knowledge they need to build. And mm-hmm. in your case, you had to have that breadth of knowledge about international uh, yeah. rewards and so forth. And that set you up for your opportunity to go to Reebok. So for, for all the you know people that are interested in building their career, they've got to step out and, and decide what experiences they need. And sometimes you have to ask your current supervisor, manager, how do I get exposure to that? Because that area is of yeah. interest to me. And maybe just simply yeah. shadowing a person to a meeting and may go to a 
a, a seminar or some form of self-study on a book that it's in the public domain, but it's really incumbent upon now the uh, individual employee to build their career and their experiences. So it was good yeah, to get I, that. I, I agree with that. I yeah. agree with that. It's also, it's also you know, sort of being willing to um, to experiment with areas that you don't have any any expertise in, right? Right. Or uh, you know, being open to the idea of doing something new and different, even if that's not what you've done before. You know, I I, I see a lot of see a lot of um, people um, in business who 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 are so you know kind of narrow who so narrowly define their their role and their contribution um, that that they that they close off potential opportunities by doing that. And I, I, I think if you if you're willing to do anything um, that you're asked to do, or to your point, if you're willing to kind of identify areas that you're you're interested in, and, and then you know make inquiries as to how you might you know add value in those areas, um, I, th- I think you're I think you're going to be a you're going to be better prepared for any job that might come at you in the future. Uh, Ted, uh, what what advantage or what value did your role as an HR business partner have in your total rewards uh, role? Um, yeah, so I, I did spend a considerable amount of time in my career to, as an HR business partner, and you know that the HR business partner role is a sort of front line of HR. They're they're the salespeople of HR. The HR operations and the and the total rewards functions tend to be support functions to those HR business partners, right? Deliver, to designing and delivering the tools that are that are needed by the business, and and those tools are generally sold in by the HR business partners. So understanding that role, understanding, you know, what went well and what didn't go well with respect to, you know, tools and, and systems and processes that were created by the, you know, back office of HR, I think um, having that understanding sort of made me a, a, a better, more, you know, kind of um, well-rounded total rewards and HR operations person, right? And, and, and so, and, and the HR operations aspect of that role sort of came out of understanding, you know, how, how HR processes and, and, and HR systems, um, how those, uh, how those impacted on and, and delivered value to the, the HR business partners. Yeah. And now you're at Reebok, uh, maybe we hit a pause button and you just talk about, uh, the role of a compensation manager, uh, or senior comp analyst. What are the the basic tasks and responsibility of the job? Um, yeah, I, I, so I joined I joined there as a kind of international HR international compensation kind of consultant. I had that took that mobility that mobility experience and and uh, and worked on a project to to kind of clean up uh, a lot of a very specialized area of global mobility, which is which is tax related to tax equalization. So so I. Had, so I took the experience that I had with the Foxborough company and leveraged that um, to, to work on a particular project. And when that project was essentially done um, and done successfully, they, the company moved me into a job as compensation manager, right? So, you know, relying on a, a lot of the old, um, a lot of the old uh, skills that I had built at the Foxborough company, um, 
and 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 those skills again i i think i mentioned it's it 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 really is i think being inquisitive about the organization and 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 understanding either directly from the business or through the through the hr business partners how the organization works and functions right so that you can so that you as a compensation person can add value to conversations about structure about career laddering about incentive plan design about you know um, you know any number of compensation related related topics but it starts with really being curious about the business and then and then adding to that curiosity and adding to that knowledge right you know the 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 skills that that we bring as compensation professionals all right how about if we can go into the weeds uh, writing job description going through some form of evaluation whether it be you know, looking at market data or point factor systems or, you know, what kind of uh, activities does a comp person uh, really have to do every day? Yeah, I, mean, I think I think it is about analyzing jobs, right? So, so, un, so understanding where a job fits in the overall organizational hierarchy. So, you know, being able to analyze a job and evaluate a job using whatever evaluation system the company might might have. Um, more more often today, especially in the U.S., um, companies rely a lot less on these point factor systems and job evaluation systems, and they they seem to rely more, at least in my experience, on on market data. And there's a there's a lot of market data that's available in the U.S. And so leveraging the data that's available to to identify where a job fits within a structure, and then or where a job, where you know what a job should be paid, yeah, and then, and then oftentimes companies need, um, or managers need a structure, need a compensation structure. So, so based upon the where the jobs that exist in your organization and how they cluster, right? Um, compensation structures are then built, right, uh, with with levels, um, and um, and then and then. Uh, Usually, incentive targets are associated with each of those levels, right? And then, at the highest levels of the company, there are long long-term incentives that are also, you know, uh, you know, added to the compensation package. And so, so, you know, that the the work of kind of analyzing a job, understanding that job, being able to find that job in the marketplace and the mark with the market data that exists, with the surveys that um, that exist. Now there's a lot. There are a lot of technology uh, solutions relative to market data. There's a tool called Market Pay, for example, where, which you know, kind of makes it easier to match jobs to the to survey data, and which aggregates the survey data and spits out a a, a wonderful report um, uh, using the various surveys that, that that we match to. Spits out a report which you know kind of does all the math for you, hmm. um, and gives you and gives you kind of an answer with respect to what you know what a what a job might be worth in a particular geography or in a particular function. Yeah. And well, why don't we stay with that a little bit? And that kind of gets ahead to a question about you know emerging technologies because they've changed mm-hmm. all jobs. The the jobs on mm-hmm. the floor uh, in the manufacturing unit that you worked before they're different jobs now because of technology and and in your function of career uh, compensation it certainly changed. You named a couple uh, this market paid data and and you know mm-hmm. you had the excel spreadsheets and so forth any other areas that you think are just 
factors as you look at the emerging technology? Maybe it's- yeah. Well, I think and, you know t- today, any any time you any time you're pitching something, um, you know you, you you need to you need to pitch it using uh, a power using PowerPoint or some sort of presentation software, right? So, you know, an, an entry level compensation professional should really understand how to leverage that those tools effectively. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I, I actually worked at one point in my career for a German company, and it seemed like you couldn't have a conversation without a PowerPoint deck, right? Okay. Um, so it's important, I think, to, to not not just to be able to not just to be able to um, get the right answer, right, from a compensation standpoint, but so often, you know, these answers relate to to broader programs and broader initiatives, and you've got to be able to present those broader programs and initiatives in a way which is clear and concise and, uh, you know, and, and compelling, right? Yeah. And so, so leveraging those presentation, uh, those presentation tools, uh, uh, that's very important. Yeah, and I guess that's true for pretty much every job now, that you've got to be able yeah. to present your conclusion uh, and use both technology and then presentation skills. Uh, you You've had uh, the opportunity to speak to boards before, and and yeah. I, I guess the in compensation is a, a emerging you know mature professional that you may be listening, or someone seasoned like yourself. I've always thought that the key differentiations in the function were the persons at the senior level, the knowledge of executive compensation, and the mm-hmm. the prior experience presenting, if not to the board senior management on a regular basis uh, anything uh, if you agree fine and would you add anything to that uh, short list of things they really need to get as you as you evolve you know in in, in a career like the one I'm in right um, in, invariably it, in order in order to take on additional responsibility you've got to understand you know higher more complex topics and I think I think the the pinnacle of that for the total rewards profession is the executive compensation realm, right? So, which is highly visible, you know, both to shareholders and to the media and to the board and to senior management, you know, highly um, uh, interesting for senior management, obviously, because, you know, they're, they're very concerned about, you know, about the compensation that they earn and, and, and how they earn it. Um, it's it's um, related, very related to other functions within the organization. So there's a there's a significant legal aspect to the job. There's a significant accounting aspect to the job. So understanding the relationships between decisions that one makes as a as a compensation or total rewards professional on HR on on executive compensation topics, understanding the implications of those decisions on on you know, legal, legally from an SEC perspective, for example, or um, from an accounting expense perspective, those are things that are important. So the, it, the, as, as, the, as you evolve in your career in, the, in total rewards and as you take on responsibility for executive compensation, the complexity becomes, um, you know, m- more challenging, right? And right. the interrelationship between some of these other functions becomes more important and understanding what that is and being able to kind of using your knowledge to anticipate issues that might not necessarily fit in your domain, right? right? Whether it be accounting or legal or, or disclo- SEC disclosure issues, 
those those things become important. And and honestly, that's why that's why um, you know that's why the compensation for a job like the one I sit in is higher than the compensation for a job at a lower at a lower level because the the exposure is different. The implications of the work that that we do that I do is different, right? Yeah. Um, for example, I have to I, I I I draft the company's compensation disclosure and analysis, which um, which is published every year as part of the proxy, which, you know, which is a significant portion of the company's proxy statement. Right. So so it's important for that that work to be both accurate, you know, and and and, and obviously legally compliant. So, um, so it's that it's that level of work, that level of exposure, that level of, of impact that that this that a job in in this field can have on a on a business. Right, and I guess because of the impact of ERA, uh, you you will use other outside consultants on many of these initiatives just because of that. Because you you may be a hundred percent right, but because of the impact of ERA, they want to make sure you have. Uh, another po- person looking at the process. So, yeah, it's it's impact of error, but it's all, it, it's also independence, right? Yep. So, I, I work for a company, and I work for I work for the for the company that I set that I help set compensation levels for, and and as I interact with the compensation committee, they want to make sure that my recommendations are not biased by the fact that I work for the company, right? They they there there needs to be sort of an independent view of our compensation practices and programs that they can rely on um, as as independent directors right so 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 yeah there's a there's definitely a compensation consultant in, involved in um, in the in in setting compensation executive compensation levels okay. clearly yeah and and in de- and in des- designing compensation programs but i i would say this about the use of consultants and that is that most consultants um, most consultants need a lot of input from from management in in order to in order to deliver to deliver solutions which are appropriate for management and also for for the for the for the board for the compensation committee so 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 it isn't com- it isn't i would say entirely independent right it, yep. there's a lot of input that they get from 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 the company and 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 notably in this in this case from me right. um to to, to develop solutions which are palatable to both management and the board. So I guess the the observation there is you want to build the the credibility based on accomplishments that while you may want to use a third party, it's it's additive and not uh, redundant of what they do. How about uh, the satisfiers in your career and some of the frustrations that a person will typically face at most levels of Either total rewards and in, in, in compensation. Uh, yeah, it, um, from from the standpoint, well, there are satisfiers and dissatisfiers, right? So, so, so I'll start with the dissatisfiers. In any in any role, you you know you're you're going to um, you know you're going to have opinions. You're going to develop. You're going to use those opinions to de- to develop solutions. Um, to meet particular business problems, and you're going to need to sell those solutions in, and and sometimes those solutions are uh, are not are not going to be persuasive. So those solutions are not going to be adopted, and so and so being willing and able to deal with the frustration that comes with working on something, and and then not and not seeing that work come to fruition, um, is something that I think you know can potentially be 
be dissatisfying, but it's just a natural, it's a natural part of work, right? You know, you, you're not the judge and jury on some of these things. You, right. you're, you know, you're the, you're the attorney arguing the case, right? Yeah. And, and so, and so, you know, it's important that, you know, that you get, get the alignment and buy in on some of these things. And, 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 and honestly, you know, gaining that approval is, 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 is imperative for, for, for programs to be successful. And, and, and listen, oftentimes that, that discussion um, enhan- enhances the the final outcome, right? You know, you, you, bringing more points of view to a, to a conversation or to a to a you know to a uh, project or to a to a potential you know uh, solution is is better, right? It it, yeah. it it rounds out the it rounds out the the, the solution. And so, but you know, just being able to deal with the this, the the frustration that comes with with really you know, kind of loving your ideas and, and then, and then not seeing those ideas come, come to pass or come to fruition. Right. Um, okay. um, from, from a, from a status, from a satisfier perspective, I think, you know, being able to impact the business and, and putting in place solutions and, and programs that, that employees, that employees, um, understand and, and, and enjoy and love and, and actually deliver value to people, um, I think that's that's some of the most rewarding stuff that I've been able to do in my career, right? Okay. Selling in ideas, selling in programs that deliver value to employees, and, and that and that differentiate, um, uh, you know, my company from other companies, um, or make more competitive the programming the program offering that we have, is 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 you know very satisfying. Yeah, in in that whole arena, uh, your function I think has gone through a huge evolution where. In the early days, when you started in compensation, it would be we want to pay competitively, and and mm-hmm. that was a kind of, a, in some ways, altruistic. Sometimes it was had to do with attracting the right people. But now, there's so much focus on talent, getting the best talent, the shortages of talent, retaining talent, uh, attracting the best type, uh, and mm-hmm. there's so many uh, different triggers you can use. But now measuring if you if you offer a benefit, you know, trying to find out really did it make a difference? Was it a, a, a key to retention? Your executive comp is, is in a similar way all tied to business objectives in an analytical way that it's never been uh, possible before. I think so. It's a big swing there. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would also, say, I mean, not, I would also say we talked a lot about compensation, but, but, but the benefit side of the job yeah. um, is is equally important. I didn't start out. I mean, I, my first job was as a benefits administrator, which lasted six months. But why don't, yeah, why don't you talk a little bit about total rewards is distinct yeah. from compensation or distinct from benefits? What yeah. what's the overall focus when you're in total rewards? Well, it is about you know it, it is about uh, delivering to employees um, the you know value right value that they find compelling and motivating right um, and retaining right because as you mentioned you know the idea here is to is to sort of retain that top talent right so and and you also said that that, that there are a lot of sort of arrows in the quiver right. Um, and and it could be it could be a compelling benefits offering or a, or a new benefit program or an employee stock purchase program or a you know or a recognition program or there are there are lots of arrows in the quiver um, and and it's not all about it's not all about pay pay is one you know pay is one important element right but you know the 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 total rewards offering needs to be 
complete, needs to be comprehensive, needs to be, you know, well-rounded, such that employees feel like, you know, the company is actually providing for them, right? Again, looking at things kind of paternalistically, but the company is actually providing for them, in, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a full and complete way. How about as you look back at your career, uh, anything you would have done differently? No, you know, I, 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 I took risks. Um, I, I, uh, I, I did a stint uh, internationally. Um, I worked and lived and worked in, in Amsterdam um, for Reebok. It was a it was a career highlight for me. Not not just not just professionally, but also you know sort of personally. It was a real, real growth experience. I would say I would encourage anybody that has the opportunity to live and work in a different culture to take advantage of that opportunity because you know it it, it can change you. It can give you a lot more confidence. Um, and it can be, it can be also super challenging at the same time. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I don't think that I have made any, uh, any significant sort of career mistakes other than that, maybe that first job. I left a great company to, to go to work for a great company in Duncan Brands. Yeah. Um, and, and there was a, there was a, you know, there was an opportunity to, to join a company that was private and had intentions to go public. And, and so there was, it was professional growth and development that came along with that work and also, you know, financial opportunity. Okay. So, but it, but it was a risk, you yeah. know, I was, I was happy and comfortable doing what I was doing, but I saw this as an opportunity to enhance my skill set in the executive compensation realm and also to, you know, put another, put another kind of notch in the, in the career belt. Right. And, and that's the kind of program career move that made all sense. You looked at it, you analyzed it, and made, made good sense. Alternatively, there is luck and good luck and bad luck. Uh, yep. Any luck you can point to in your career? Yeah, I don't, uh, to be honest with you, Fred, I don't, I can't distinguish between, you know, kind of good luck and putting yourself in a position to realize that good luck or good fortune, right? Right. Um, it's it it you know it's kind of hard to hard to separate those two things, but w- without a doubt, and I would say this to anyone, um, I have been the beneficiary of good fortune in my career with by you know meeting the right people at the right time, by you know taking risks and having the, those risks be rewarded, um, by yeah just yeah, yeah just t- timing timing right. Yep. And, 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 and things that, things that I, that I really had no influence over, um, coming to bear and, and delivering value to, to my career. So for example, um, when Reebok was acquired by the Adidas group, we, we had, we, nobody saw that coming. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but that enabled me to, um, well, first of all, experience kind of a, a, a good financial outcome, but also, um, to, uh, to, to do work, which I hadn't done before relating to this, relating to this, this merger and acquisition, yeah. um, whether this, this merger between what, what, you know, two, two pretty successful companies, um, and, and the work that was associated with that, um, gave me visibility and insight into the Adidas group, gave them the ability to see what I could do. And they, and they then asked me to do, to take on total rewards for the Adidas group as part of that activity. So, you know, again, just right. good fortune combined with combined with you know hard work. I think um, you know, that's led to that's, that's led to I, I think to a, a pretty good place in my career. Right. You mentioned hard work, and and I think uh, another 
thing that really contributes to this so-called good luck happening is, first of all, everybody who does studies on who gets hired and who doesn't get hired, and who gets promoted, who doesn't, the biggest part of that is, and it's a kind of a simple phrase, it's, it has to do with likability and being positive, yeah. if you're positive. Mm -hmm. And those are a couple cornerstones to building an internal reputation uh, as well as an external reputation. So you mentioned working hard. Uh, so working hard and, and being positive, uh, I think, are, are really the, the precursors to a lot of good luck happening. So even yeah, I could I could not agree with you anymore. That is a, that is well said, and um, you know, and and sometimes sometimes being positive or sometimes you know being outgoing might not necessarily be your you know your kind of core behavior, but it but it absolutely helps in a corporate setting, right? Yeah. Being being positive, being outgoing, being yeah, willing to willing to being vulnerable in some ways, right? Being willing to take risks yeah. and speak up in meetings where you may not necessarily, you know, be the most senior person, right? But but those are opportunities to kind of get recognition, get noticed that that you really need to seize on as a as a you know kind of young and emerging professional. Okay. Any uh, just briefly, any other uh, single lesson you'd you'd and you've given some advice along the way, and so it may be redundant, but any one lesson you think you've learned that you'd like to pass on? I think it is real it, it is kind of about building relationships. Enjoy what enjoy what you do, you know, work hard, work work well with others. It is a it is a it is a, work is a is a complicated um and, and integrated um activity, right? And and to the extent that as an individual you can you can try to do that in a positive way, building relationships with others, um, you know, uh, taking risks along the way. I think you'll be rewarded. Okay. On a ten point scale, uh, I think I know where you're going to end up. Uh, where would you rate your career? One to ten. Ten being high. Yeah, I mean, I I I I like where I'm at. So I'm okay. going to say ten. I, I I like I like the career that I've chosen. I like HR. It's given me you know the opportunity to meet a lot of different people. And and by the way, I, I would also encourage people you know don't stay with the same company the entire time. You know, move from company to company, from industry to industry. Right. HR re represents a unique opportunity in the sense that you can you know apply the same principles and the same tools and techniques across industries. So 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 do that. Make yourself more valuable as a professional by by doing that yeah and, and again putting aside the transferable skills there's always industry bias so if you spent 22 years in footwear you get branded regardless of function as being a footwear person when in fact yep. you yep. know you, you're not yeah all right yep. well this has been a pleasure uh ted i'm sure the listeners are going to benefit from it and uh, thank you very much for your time uh, thank you, Fred. Thank you for the opportunity to share some of these uh, experiences, and hopefully, it it it, it, uh, it helps someone as they're thinking about uh, a career in in, uh, in total rewards. So, thank you very much.